This sermon is brought to you by Christ Church South Philadelphia, a church that is committed to living out the gospel in their neighborhood and from there impacting the world. For more information about our church or to support our mission, you can go to www.ChristChurchSouthPhilly.org. Well, if you can turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 103, Psalm 103, Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand and someone will will get one to you. Uh, And if you you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to, to give you that as our gift to you. Psalm 103. And I've been, uh, during worship, I couldn't stop coughing, so I'm hoping that that was the, the end of it, but I'm um, praying for the, the Lord's uh, uh, grace as well. The, the verse, child of weakness, watch and pray, it says I was ca- having a coughing fit was, was not very appropriate. Well, we are, are currently in a, a short series we, we started last week entitled New Year, Same Gospel, Timeless Truth for Changing Times and What we are looking at in this series is ultimately how God has given us all we need for the year ahead. And what we we need is not found in something new, but is found in the the timeless truths of the the same gospel we already have. This morning we want to look at this in in Psalm 103. The, The title of this morning's message is Finding Satisfaction. So let's read Psalm 103 together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray. 
Father, we pray that you would bless the reading, now the preaching of your word, Lord. I, I'm, I'm particularly aware of my own need for help, Lord God. And uh, we pray that you would open this, this psalm to our hearts. Let, our, let, our, let us see wondrous things from your word, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, New Year is upon us, and uh, these past few weeks, if you haven't noticed, there has been hundreds of millions of dollars spent on advertising. Uh, as you're aware, a, a new year often serves as a natural place to take stock of our lives and, and think through what needs to change in the, the year ahead for us to, to live the kind of lives that we, we long for and, and hope for, lives that are, are full of joy and satisfaction and, and meaning and purpose. And advertisers, knowing this, seek to seize this opportunity, and they bombard us with, with images of seemingly thriving, happy people that are living their quote-unquote best lives now. And their goal is to convince us that in order to live lives that are, are truly satisfied and full, we, we need what they have. Yet I'm reminded of the, the song, no doubt you're familiar, sung by the great cultural prophet Mick Jagger. When I'm watching my TV and a man comes on and tells me how white my shirts can be, but he can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the same cigarettes as me. And then you guys know the song, I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try. I can't get no satisfaction. In other words, all these different advertisers tell me what I need is, is what they have to offer you know, the one guy's telling me whiter shirts, the other guy's telling me I need this particular brand of cigarettes to be satisfied, and none of it is doing it for me as, as I had, had hoped. Satisfaction can be so elusive. Perhaps you two can relate. You've tried, and you've tried, and you've tried, and, and, and the joy and satisfaction that you desire just seems so out of reach. We can live our lives with a profound sense that we, we, we don't have what we need for this, this life of fullness and satisfaction. And perhaps your fear is going into this, this new year, 2023, that it will be more of the, the same. Well, if you can relate to this, there is good news for you in Psalm 103 this morning. Psalm 103 is a psalm written by David. It's a, a psalm that, that leads us down the road to the place where we can experience overflowing joy and the deep satisfaction our hearts crave. And while this is a, a psalm of, of joy and of fullness, it's also a psalm that's incredibly real. It doesn't sugarcoat anything here. Diagnoses our, our true condition and, and what it is that, that really keeps us from the satisfaction we desire. Here's what we'll, we'll see in our psalm this morning. Here's the, the big idea of our text. That God has satisfied our deepest needs so we can experience the deepest of satisfaction. Say it one more time. God has satisfied our deepest needs so we can experience the deepest of satisfaction. What we're going to do is look at three aspects of how God does this this morning. Three things we're called to remember that lead us to satisfaction in God. First, we want to look at our, our call to remember God's gifts, then our call to remember God's love, and finally, our call to remember God's purpose. So let's look at our first point, 
Point number one, remember God's gifts. David starts off the the psalm having a, a conversation with his soul. And while people today look at having a conversation with yourself as, as kind of a little bit funny. On uh, Scripture, we see it's actually considered a, a very helpful practice. Verse 1, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Calls on himself to, to bring praise to God, and, and not just with his, his lips, but with all that is within him, with all that he is, with his whole heart, all his emotions, his, his mind, his strength. He recognizes that God is, is worthy of his, all, of his all. And going through the motions simply just won't do. Knows his heart should be overflowing with praise to God, with delight in God, with, with satisfaction in God. But, but as often can be the case, our hearts can be cold to the Lord. Our hearts are, are, nat- are, are not naturally inclined to, to bring praise to God. Our, our eyes are often so often fixed on our, ourselves or, or on other things or on the challenges we're going through. Yet, friends, the, the joy our hearts crave is found in the praise of God. The kind of worship described here where we have taken our eyes off ourselves and are completely taken up in the enjoyment of another, of the delight of another. This is the, the satisfaction our hearts long for. The late preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones shares this incredibly helpful insight about what the psalmist is doing here as he talks to his soul. He says the following, he says, the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression, or in other words, when our, our hearts just feel cold to the things of the Lord, the main trouble in this whole matter in a sense, is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Am I just trying to be deliberately paradoxical, he asks? Far from it. This is the very essence of wisdom in this matter. Listen, he says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? The main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. Hear that most of our unhappiness in life is due to the fact that we're we're listening to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. And often what we're listening to ourselves about is all the ways we wish life was different. And, and, And here we see David Instead of just listening to his own thoughts, he begins to talk to himself. In verse 2, he begins to speak to himself of the reasons he has to to praise God with with all that's within him. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He says, remember, call to mind how how God has, has dealt with you. Remember his gifts in your life. What David begins to do is he starts enumerating the the many ways God has worked in his life. Here David takes us on this kind of curated tour of God's grace in his life and in ours. And he starts highlighting some of the the choicest gifts of God. It's a way to, to stir up his heart, to remind himself of all the reasons he has to bless the Lord right now. And David starts first with, with what's the most important of all God's gifts to us. 
That's the, the forgiveness of our sin. Verse 3, he said, who forgives all your iniquity. This is what Pastor Caleb reminded us last week is of first importance. This is our, our greatest need to experience the forgiveness of our sins. That's why David starts here. Through our sin, we, we've alienated ourselves from our Creator. The one who holds our, our very life and breath in His hand. The one who gives meaning to our, our very existence and, and created us for himself. How, how can there be anything in life that's more important than being reconciled to God? What, what greater gift can there be than the forgiveness of our sins? Notice with me what he says. He says he forgives all your iniquity, not, not just some of it. He hasn't placed us in some kind of debt remediation program where he's kind of readjusted our, our debt and given us better terms for, for repayment over time. Our debt has been paid in full as we sang this morning. There's no sins we're, we're called to atone for on our own. There's no call to, to do penance here. There's no little asterisk next to it with fine prints. It says he has forgiven all our iniquity. Notice also the, the tense of the word. It actually says he forgives. Right? This, this is an ongoing forgiveness. He didn't just forgive our sin and say, okay, from here you gotta, gotta make it right. Right? From, from this point on, no more sinning. This was kind of your, your get-out-of-jail-free card, but at this point, you're, you're on your own. The reality is we will need to experience His forgiveness again today. Right? Before we leave this service, we'll, we'll need to experience His forgiveness. Yes, God has forgiven our, our sins of the past, but we will need to experience His forgiveness today in every way that we fall short of living for the glory of God. Every way today that we will fail to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every way today we will fail to love our neighbor as ourself. This includes the ways we will sin by doing the, the things we're, we're not supposed to do. Also, the ways that we sin by not doing what we are supposed to do. Friends, this is a, an ongoing gift. This, this is the gift that keeps on giving. A gift today that we are in, in desperate need of. Forget not this benefit, O oh my soul. This, this is what David starts with. And honestly, we, we could just stop here. I was talking to someone in the bathroom. They're going, you're going to go through this whole psalm? And it's like, yeah, we, reality is we could stop in you know, first or second verse and camp out there all day. We, we could really spend the rest of our lives talking about this gift of God, the, the forgiveness of our, our sins. Something that should never cease to amaze us and just fill our hearts with, with incredible joy. Our greatest need has been taken care of. But, but if we're honest, this is a gift that is, is also so very easy to forget about and to, to take for granted. That's why he tells us to forget not this benefit. We, we, we lose sight of the wonder of this so quickly. Uh, a number of years ago, when, when my family and I first moved to Philly, for, for the first two years we, we lived here, we lived in a, a different house than we, we currently do, and the house we moved into, I don't, I don't know what we were thinking, was, uh, <laughs> I'm getting some nods, it was really, really tiny. This was, uh, we were a family of five, we had a dog also, and um, it, yeah, there was barely enough room for us to, to move around uh, in the house, and I remember when we moved into our new house where we, we currently live, 
and we got some more space, and I would just wake up just amazed with, with gratitude overflowing in my heart to the, the blessing of this, this new place. Uh, I, I didn't have to try to be grateful. I, I, just, I just was grateful. And I, you know, I felt like I, I lived in a castle, though we, we really don't, but it just felt that way compared to, to where the Lord had, had taken us from. And I, I remember thinking, is it even possible that I could ever wake up not filled with, with gratitude? Could this gratitude ever possibly wear off? Citizen app is going off here. Turn my, my ringer off. Um, and uh, yeah, I just couldn't imagine not waking up every morning with, with, with gratefulness. And, and, and what, ha- what happens, though? Over time, we, we begin to take things for granted. We, we forget, you know, I forgot what that old house was like. The, the new house even starts to feel small. And, and, and this is, is human nature. We, we move on to the, the next thing. This is one of the reasons satisfaction can be so fleeting, right? Our, our gratitude leaks, right? And and, and, and gratitude and, and satisfaction go, go hand in hand. And what, what we experience at first as, as just this, this massive thing becomes small over time. And th- this is especially true when it comes to the forgiveness of our sins. Friends, it's imperative that we, we not lose sight of the, the wonder of this gift from God, that He forgives all our iniquity. We, we can never let this become a small thing to us. Let's look at some of the other gifts we've received. We'll move through uh, these others a little quicker. In verse 3, he says, he heals all your diseases. He reminds his soul of the the all-encompassing nature of God's gifts. He is intimately involved in in all aspects of our lives. Not only does God work for the the spiritual good of his people, but, but he cares for us body, and soul. Ultimately, all healing we experience is a gift that, that comes from the hand of God. Our health is a gift from God. What, what we can often view as simply nature kind of running its course or medicine working, David reminds us that, no, th- this too is a, a gift from God's hands. No, no one is ever healed apart from the active work of God in their lives. We can slip into this, this functional deism where, where God just makes things possible, but, but he's not actively involved. And yet, Scripture reveals to us a God who is active in the, the smallest of details in his universe and in the smallest of details in our lives. So he's a God who, who, Scripture says, who feeds the birds himself, as we're told in Matthew 6.26. It's a God that a, a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground apart from his will as we see in Matthew 10.29. He doesn't just wind things up and kind of set them in in motion. He is actively involved in his world and in our lives. As we're told in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. All healing is a gift from God's hand. He moves on to another one of God's gifts for us. He says in verse 4, He redeems our life from the pits. Not only does God forgive us our sin, He also redeems us from the ultimate consequences of our sin. We're told in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, By nature we are children of wrath. Those deserving and heading to face God's 
just judgment for our sin. Because our, our sins have been forgiven, we, we no longer have to face the consequences of our sin. When, when God ultimately says, well, this is your desire has, to live the, to, has been to live apart from me, so thy will be done. And we're separated from God's presence, who is the, the source of all that's, that's good and the, the very source of, of life itself. It says here he redeems us from this. The term pit here, the meaning is he saves us from spiritual death and destruction. When we remember where we were headed to, to the pit and where we've been redeemed from, it, it should just fill our hearts with joy. Same way me remembering, oh, what, what was that old house like? Oh yeah, wow, thank you Lord. Same should be as we remember where the Lord has saved us from. He has redeemed us from the pit. And then because we've been redeemed from the pit and drawn into fellowship with him, this is now our experience. It says in verse 4, he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Picture here is one of being surrounded by steadfast love and mercy, just as a, a crown surrounds your head. There's a, a permanence to this. This is the environment we, we now live in, a, a life swimming in God's steadfast love and mercy. Finally, in verse 5, to, to sum up all, he, all his gifts, he says, he satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. All the, the good in your life is a, a gift from God, as it says in Psalm 84:11. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk up, uprightly. God, being all wise, withholds nothing good from us. The word good that's, that's used here literally means to ornament. There's this, this picture of God satisfying us with so much good in our lives that it's, it's what decorates and adorns our lives. Think of friends I have whose um, Christmas trees, they, they turn into these, these works of art. Um, you know, me growing up, like we kind of just like threw the ornaments all over the tree and that was kind of the end of it. But we have friends that every, every ornament is, is strategically placed. Each ornament is, is special. Each ornament has a story. Friends, our lives are decorated with God's intentionally placed goodness. Each a gift from his own hand with its own story, each incredibly precious to be treasured. Notice what it says. It says he satisfies you with this good. There, there's there's a, an abundance of it. He, we, we have our fill of this goodness. While we can so often live aware of, of all that's wrong in life, and, and, and when we do, it just has this, this soul-sapping nature to it, right? There's just a despondency that comes. It can rob us of this, the strength we need for the, the day ahead. We see here, when we, we see the work of God in our lives, and we're satisfied with the good of it, it says our, our strength is renewed. It says like the eagles, our, our souls are encouraged and reinvigorated. Friends, as we consider this year ahead, there is satisfaction to be found in the work of God in our lives. He satisfies us with good. Forget not His benefits. Do whatever it takes to remember. Place things in your life to remind you. The index card on the, the bathroom mirror. The, the song that reminds you of the gospel on your, your playlist Memorize portions of Scripture. Memorize Psalm 103. Pray through Psalm 103. Whatever we need to do to forget not His benefits. 
Friends, there is so much the Lord has done for us. So much He continues to do. Let us remember His many gifts. What we see the psalmist do is after recounting the gifts of God in his life, he he goes a, a step further. Let's look at point number two. Point number two is remember God's love. See, in verse 6, we see a shift take place in our psalm. Up up to this point, the psalmist has been reminding his own soul of of what God has done for him personally. But in in verses 6 through 14, he begins to call to mind not just what the Lord has done for him, but what the the Lord does for for his people. begins to talk not just about what God does, but also about who God is. He starts connecting the dots from the gifts God gives us to the, the heart of the one who has given us these gifts, the love God has for his people. And isn't that where God's gifts are meant to lead us to? To know him more, to, to understand him more, to, to delight in him more. A couple years ago, my family did something I, I thought we would never do. And that is that we became cat owners. It's a long story. Uh, but up to this point, we had only been dog owners. I grew up with dogs my whole life. Never thought I'd, I'd have a cat. And uh, here, here's why I bring this up. One, one of the things that I wrestle with as a cat owner is, is trying to come to terms with, do, do these guys really love me or do they simply love me for what I, I give them? Uh, as long as I pet them, they're happy. But I get this, this sense like we're, we're just in this kind of business arrangement where it's, it's my job just to, to keep them happy. Um, seems like if I don't give them what they want, they, they could kind of care less about me. I'm, I'm very insecure in our relationship. <laughs> now, maybe if you're a cat person, I, I'd love to hear, no, they, they really do love you. I actually really would like to hear that. So please come to me, tell me that. Um, but when we had a dog, I, I didn't wonder if the dog loved me, right? Well, a dog enjoys the gifts God gives him. He, he's able to look past the gifts and enjoy the one who, who gives them to him. You know, you, you show up from work and the, the dog even does this, this dance of joy before you. You know, just thrilled to even be in your, your presence. And, you know, I, I show up from a long vacation and the, the cats don't even look my way. You know, it's... Here, here's, the, here, here's the point. While God has given us incredible gifts, we, we can't just stop there at the gifts. God's gifts are meant to serve as reminders of the, the very heart of God, to, to, to lead us to delight in the, the one who gives the gifts. And, and, and while his gifts, as we saw, are incredible, the, the heart of the one who has given these gifts is even more incredible. And this is what David does. He, he, he starts reflecting on the, the very heart of who God is. We, we see this in, in verse 6. He says he's a God who works righteousness and justice for all those who are oppressed. He's a God who cares for the the weak and needy. He's a God whose heart is full of compassion for those who are suffering. It says in verse 7 that this God revealed himself to Moses and the people of Israel. And then verse 8, David quotes Exodus 34 where God reveals himself saying, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This is who God is. And to David, this, this revelation of, of God found in Scripture, this, this revelation that some have gone so far as to call the DNA of all of Scripture, 
that this revelation isn't simply theoretical knowledge to David. We can see this is a revelation that has captivated David. This is a, a revelation that David has, has thought through the, the implications of, of what this means for his life and for the life of sinners like you and me. He starts explaining the implications of this. We, we see in verse 9 and 10, he says, He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. He's saying if, if God is, is a merciful and gracious God and slow to anger, this, this means he doesn't deal with us as we deserve, but rather with grace and mercy. Now, if you're, you're paying attention to the, the text here, you, you may notice a, a tension has, has arisen in our text. We're, we're told in verse 6 that we just saw that, that God is a God that works righteousness and justice. very definition of justice is to give someone what they deserve. And yet, David, a few verses later, so David in verse 6 says God gives people what they deserve, but then a few verses later in verse 10 says he doesn't give us what we deserve doesn't deal with us according to our sin. This is one of the, the great mysteries God's people would, would wrestle with in the Old Testament and at the, the time of David. How can these two things both be true? How can God be both just and yet be this forgiving God that we, we read about? And David knew these, these two things to be true, but notice he doesn't tell us how they are. He simply states them both. He simply rejoices in both of them. Friends, for, for you and I living today, God has revealed to us how these things can be true. And it takes us even deeper into the very heart of God. Apostle Paul talks about this dilemma in Romans 3, 23 through 26. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now listen. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. See friends, God passed over former sins because Christ would ultimately take the punishment for them. And by doing this would confirm, yes, God has been righteous and just all along. Men like David looked ahead, not, not knowing quite how God would provide a way for him to show himself to be both just and the justifier of his people. And, and, and questioning, why does God, how can God not deal with us according to our sins. And we know the answer. What was a mystery to David, to us, we know it's because he dealt with another according to our sins. Jesus stood in our place as our substitute, as God gave him what we deserve. Late theologian John Stott describes this so well, this, this concept of, of substitution, of Jesus standing in our place says the concept of substitution may be said then to lie at the heart of both sin and salvation. For the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. 
Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. Man claims prerogatives which belong to God alone. God accepts penalties which belong to man alone. Friends, marvel at the heart and the plan and the love of God for us. And this is, is what we, we see David do here. He, he marvels at it. He starts trying to put to words a love that is, is too big for words. But he tries. He seeks, seeks to destri- describe God's love by thinking, of what's, what's the biggest thing I can possibly think of? We see this in verse 11. He says, as high as the heavens, there's nothing bigger our eyes have seen than the, the sky above us. Right? Especially when you get out of the city and you see the, the vastness of the sky. He's saying God's love is, is massive. There's nothing bigger. And yet while, while David is, is looking for, for words to describe the, the vastness of God's love, you and I know God's love in even greater revelation. We know that, to, that God has revealed to us His love is so vast for us that God so loved the world that He gave His, His very own, His one and only Son for us. Now, friends, when we begin to grasp the love God has for us, this, this changes absolutely everything. This is why the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian church in, in Ephesians 3, 18 through 19, that they may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses Knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You want your your soul to be satisfied? You want to experience the fullness of God? Dwell on the love of Christ for you. Seek to comprehend this love in, in greater and greater understanding. Friends, what massive love God has for us. Now this, this massive love flows massive forgiveness. And we see this in verse 12. David goes on to paint a picture of the forgiveness we've experienced. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Takes the, the biggest thing he can think of to describe God's love. And now he takes the, the furthest distance imaginable to describe how far God has removed our sin from us. This is how God sees us. Not only does He love us, but we are righteous in His sight. In verse 13, after describing the the greatest love and the greatest forgiveness, He he seeks to think of a picture of what what would describe the, the greatest compassion. He says, as a father shows compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion on those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As a good father deeply knows his children and, and knows their weaknesses. And rather than those weaknesses pushing him away, they, they draw him closer. The, the good father steps in to, to help. He's not put off by our stumblings. He knows us. And yet he still loves us. Pastor Tim Keller talks about what it means to be known and loved at the same time. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. 
To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, it is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. How great is God's love for us, a love where we are fully known and yet deeply loved. Is there, is there anything greater that could satisfy our soul? Friends, think about this. God knows us. He says he knows our frame. He, he created us from the dust. And, and if you think about what, what good is there in dust? What value is there in dust? Dust has, has no value. Dust can't even be shaped into anything, right? It can just be a, a pile that's all dust can be. For, for, for dust to be anything, it has to be absolutely dependent on God for everything. Apart from God, dust just causes problems and needs to get cleaned up and clogs things. Only God can bring value to dust. Only God can give purpose to dust. Is that, and that is what God in his love chooses to do, which, which leads us to our third and final point, and this is a much briefer point. To find the satisfaction our souls desire, we need to remember God's purpose. Remember God's purpose. When my kids were younger, um, probably nine or ten, uh, we read a book with them called The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane. Has, has anyone ever read that book? I see some, some there. Uh, good book. Um, this book's about the story of this, this toy porcelain rabbit that's you know, kind of stuffed and has some fur on his, his ears and tail. And um, this, this little girl named Abilene loves this rabbit more than anything in the world. And the, the book is, is shared from the, the rabbit's uh, point of view and, and his thoughts about life. And, and Edward's love revolves around this, this, this little girl's love for him. It's what gives his life significance. And Without telling the whole story, Edward ends up getting separated from this little girl and finds himself on this long journey and different people find him and hold on to him along the way. But there, there's this, this part towards the end of the book that, that sticks out in my mind. Edward finds himself now in a doll shop on sale and one of the other dolls is, is telling him all the ways he falls short and how no one is going to, to buy him. He's not like the other dolls. He's not what people are looking for. And, and Edward's reply to her as, as this doll is telling him all the ways he falls short is simply, I have been loved. Here was this, this, this insignificant, kind of goofy-looking, stuffed porcelain rabbit, and, and yet his significance came from not what he was made of, but simply from who loved him. He had been loved. That's what gave his life its purpose Friends, God's love is what gives our lives their purpose. It doesn't matter what we're made of. We're, as we see here, we're, we're made of dust. It doesn't matter all the ways we fall short. It matters who it is that loves us. And that's what we see in, in verses 15 and 16. The, the psalmist continues speaking of the, the nature of, of who we really are and says, not only are we made of dust, but as for man, his, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field for the, the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place knows it no more. He's saying not only are we completely weak, but, but at the end of the day, our lives are just a, a blip on the, the radar screen. 
we, we flourish like a moment for like a beautiful flower. And for those of you that have gotten flowers before, you know, it's short-lived and, and um, next thing you know, it's gone. Notice what he says in verse 17. There's a, a key word there. Notice the word, but there. It says, but God has done something about this. God's love rescues us from this futility and gives our life its purpose. It says, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. In, in, in other words, yes, life is short, but God's love for you is eternal. And because God's love for you is eternal, God has eternal purposes for you. God redefines our lives' very purpose. Purposes we live as those who have been loved by God. Now we live for His, his kingdom purposes. And we, we see this in verse 19. It says, The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His, his kingdom rules over all. We're now part of an eternal kingdom established in the heavens, living under the, the good rule of our God. No longer do we just live for the, the purposes of this world. But, but for another kingdom we've been brought into by the love of God. And then friends, as our, our hearts are filled with this love of God, we, we see the, the psalmist do what, what he set out to do in the beginning of the psalm. And that is, as he remembers all God's many gifts to him, as he remembers God's heart for him and his, his great love for him, he lives out his very purpose, which is to live a, a life of praise and glory to God and to call others to join in with him. We see this in verse 20 through 22. He blesses the Lord with all his soul. Not only does he bless the Lord with, with all his soul, he, he calls on everyone he could possibly think of to come join him in this great joy. Friends, this is the purpose God has called us to. May 2023 be a year where our hearts are filled with a, a contagious joy for God. May we call others to join in in that joy. He calls out, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you almighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of dominion. He's calling on his neighbors, his friends, his loved ones to join him. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Friends, as we look to the year ahead, know that God has given us all we need. So let's live aware of and remember His good gifts to us. Let's remember the, the vastness of His steadfast love for us. Let us live out our, our kingdom purposes, calling others to join us as we bless the Lord with all that is within us. He has satisfied our deepest needs so we can experience the deepest satisfaction in Him. Let's pray.